Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 189 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, and we are celebrating a memorable victory for, for the Atlanta Braves on this fine night. And uh, to commemorate the opportunity, you know, whenever we have the chance to have everybody on the podcast at once, we do that. So uh, both Scott Coleman and Eric Cole are on this podcast, which means I get to get out of the way and let you guys talk. Hey, guys. <laughs> you, uh, it's a fun one to do three of us on. It's uh, that was about as emotionally draining of a game as I can remember. Uh, it was uh, pretty incredible. First, <laughs> first seven or eight innings didn't go super well, but it's been it, as has been the theme with this year all uh, team all year long. Uh, they figured out a way to win it somehow, some way. I, I will disagree that the first seven or eight innings didn't go well because they certainly went well on the pitching side. There we go, Mike well, I, I plan on gloating about it. <laughs> endlessly during this podcast but yeah doing well yeah so obviously if you're listening to this podcast you probably know the result of the game the Braves come back with a uh, I would say memorable fashion that's the best way to describe that in the ninth with three runs after sort of an excruciating game to that point at least offensively to be fair to Eric and his son Mike Skoroka um one nothing after eight and then a three spot in the ninth we will get there I promise um I don't know. What's before we start drilling down? I, I think I know my pick for this, but and I didn't prep you guys for this. But if if I had to ask you who the MVP of this game was, who was it? I think it's only a two man race. But um, MVP, anybody? Um, I mean, oh, I'll say Dansby Swanson. There you go, Eric. I know your answer. I'm pretty sure. I don't think this game is winnable if Soroka doesn't do what he does against it, you know, it, it, when given what the offense did. So I'd say Soroka, but I have no problems with Dansby or Duvall for that matter. Yeah. I, I, you know, because of the fact that you had to navigate seven innings, I would go with Duvall, but yeah, Swanson was ridiculous. And I guess Duvall, I mean, sorry, did I say Duvall? I meant Soroka. Um, Soroka would be my choice. Dansby was amazing. You know, Duvall, it's essentially one swing. Like he again was was awesome, and we are a pro Adam Duvall podcast. Have been forever. I took a little bit of a victory lap again. I love Adam Duvall. We vouch for Adam Duvall for two straight seasons. Essentially, I'm happy about this. But uh, I would go with Soroka. But you can't go wrong because Dansby was really really good in this game. So I mean, let's drill down a little bit before we get to the big picture and the future stuff. <sighs> the story of the night was you know Soroka for most of it, but you know the one little thing that happened against him in this game was the second inning. And it was kind of fitting that uh, he allowed essentially one impactful base hit the entire night. 
and it was a bloop double in the second inning that had an exit velocity of 62 miles per hour. Um, uh. just, if, if you know this, that's a very, very low number. That's a very, very soft um, line drive, if you, even, if you even want to call it that. And uh, that ends up being the only run that scores for the Cardinals in this game because they play ABC baseball from there with a ground out and a sack fly. And, you know, even at that point, it was already frustrating. But then you fast forward to seven full innings and Soroka was incredible and still leaves the game trailing. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to steal Eric's thunder here. But, yeah, I mean, as the game was getting later and later, at least for me, I just kept telling myself, please don't tell me they're about to lose this playoff game on a bloop double, a infield, nothing that advanced the runner and then a shallow fly ball, which Acuna just couldn't get quite to the plate. I mean, it would have been about as frustrating of a way as to lose as possible. So obviously it was, it was nice to not go out on that, um, on that kind of a a unlucky situation, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I tweeted this out too, is that, you know, if the way Soroka pitched, I mean, like didn't, Give up. He gave up one run on two hits, neither of which were home runs. Didn't walk anybody. Struck out seven in seven innings, and he was on, on in line for the loss. One is if there's any in, in, greater indictment of the wins and losses statistic, <laughs> like that that, that yeah. that's it right there. Because Soroka, I, Soroka was pitching better than what Wainwright Wainwright was. Wainwright just kind of was just chucking up you know slow curveballs, and just the Braves just couldn't hit them. Soroka was nasty all night. And I was I was like, getting really heated that like just, the Braves just couldn't they he just would throw three or four of these curveballs every at bat and like they just could do nothing against them and I'm just like what is happening right now you just let Adam Wainwright throw like eight scoreless innings against you uh, and it's just you know I was getting like legitimately mad but uh, and then the eighth inning I made it worse but you know obviously things kind of turned around from there for sure and you know. My uh, our notes, just people know, we have this like kind of document we work from on this podcast, and um, it's a lot of uh, breezy ending for Soroka. Breezy ending for Soroka. Like he was just incredible. We should note that he retired seventeen batters in a row at one point, which in a playoff setting on the road, first playoff start. You know, not the greatest offense in the world for St. Louis, which I guess has to be noted to some degree here. But Soroka was incredible, man. Seventeen in a row and ninety pitches for seven innings. He honestly could have probably kept going. Um, you know, they, they had a pitch hit for him clearly at the time that they did it, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, yeah, he was just—he was really good. I mean, it says everything that you need to say about Soroka that I wasn't advocating to pinch hit for him the previous time because the Braves were losing, and I didn't mind them having Soroka lead off an inning in a playoff game. And yeah. most of the time, in today's sort of modern way that playoff games are managed, you would not let your your pitcher hit in that spot when you're losing. But he was so good that I was like, you know what? It's it's really fine. Like, <laughs> this doesn't bother me. And he came out and rewarded Snicker for that with two more. Was it two more or three more? At least two more scoreless innings. And uh, they were huge, man. They kept him close all night long. And, you know, I, I didn't look to see what his game score was, but I bet it was off the charts. Uh, I have it now. It was 76. So basically, you know, two nights in a row now, well, I guess two out of three nights with the break in between. Fulty with a 78 game score, Sorokin with a 76 game score. The Braves have had just two flat out lights out starts in in playoff games from guys who, you know, Fulty isn't super young anymore, I suppose, but still young pitchers that are pitching in high pressure environments when they're not must wins. I mean, I, I do think that Friday was a must win. Today a little bit less so, but at the same time, like you needed you needed both these games, and you got them both, and you got them both um, based largely on the strength of lights out starting pitching, and that's uh, I, I'm not sure anybody could have predicted they would be this good. Obviously, Soroka has been incredible all season long, and I thought he could he should have pitched game one, but you know 
even for me, maybe not for Eric, but for any, any rational person, this is probably even better than you would have thought. Yeah, I mean, to be 22 years old and to do what Soroka just did, like, I don't think that can be understated. Like, 22 years old in front of 50,000 people at Bush Stadium, which was absolutely nuts if the 8 million uh, sc- <laughs> crowd shots that TBS kept going to were any indication. Like, it can't be understated just how masterful of a performance that was on the road. Even as the game started, he looked is, you know, you would never know whether it was game three of the NLDS in front of 50,000 people or pitching against the Marlins in the middle of June in front of 3000 people. Like he was in control the entire time and you just can't say enough about his poise and just how good he was. And uh, while the series isn't over, it does seem at least that the Braves strategy of Keuchel and Fulte at home games one and two uh, and then Soroka on the road in game three has has paid off. Yeah, I mean, it's look. I, I think anyone who was watching the game would like see how special what Soroka did was. Um, the thing that just it's I always get back to with him is that he has so many just easy innings, and I don't mean like you know no base runners like one two three. It just like it just he knew it feels like he knows he knew what was going on was going to happen in ninety percent of the at bats today. It was, and he just and he just executed. He just did it, and it was like you know it's. He and he's done this a lot, you know. I've seen him in the minors. It just feels like he's like, I'm gonna throw these pitches in this sequence, and this is what's gonna happen. And he's not trying to go for strikeouts, and he's not gonna be a guy that, you know, could get has to get himself amped up to throw 98 to get something past a guy. He's just gonna be like, I have to, I hit my spots. If I don't, then you know something bad could happen. But if I, you know, if I execute, then you know good things are gonna happen. And that's what he did. He's just, he was hitting all his spots. The only person that got him was. Ozuna and again those were you know that flare and then the single towards the end of the game and you know that's one of the better bad ball hitters in baseball when he's on so it's not like he was throwing bad pitches to that guy it's overall just you know he was amazing and it was a lot of fun to watch yeah um Eric as a proud uncle of Mike Soroka has to be grinning ear to ear absolutely absolutely um yeah I mean I guess what I was going to mention before We'll, we'll sort of tackle the eighth and ninth inning separately, I think, is the plan in, at the moment. The first seven innings, the Soroka portion of this game, other than the one run that actually scored, the theme for me, you know, Soroka being incredible aside, was the ball was just not jumping. Um, you know, Paul Goldschmidt had a long fly out in the first inning for St. Louis. The Braves had a few in this game. Um, Dansby's double in the third probably is gone in a lot of places. Uh, that was smoked. Yeah. Um, I couldn't believe that didn't go out. Yeah, I mean, Marquecas had a Acuna long one. Acuna hit one too. Yeah, Acuna, 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 Acuna had one. Acuna had one. Marquecas had a long had, had a long warning track fly ball in the fourth. Um, there was a warning track fly out from Joyce in the seventh. Like, yeah, I thought he got that one too. Not all those get out, but man, like th- that was a. It wasn't just the Braves, but because Goldschmidt did have one in the first inning that I thought might have been gone. Um, but at the same time, like. It was weird, a weird environment, and that's not to take away anything about from Wainwright or Soroka in this game, but the run-scoring environment was not great, and I think it probably hurt the Braves more than the Cardinals, which it ended up not mattering, but worth noting that there were there were small fireworks, they just didn't end up actually coming to fruition. Yeah, I think uh, especially Joyce's, that one is a, uh, a first-row chop house uh, homer, I think, if it's played at SunTrust. Um, the fact that it was in St. Louis and not only that, but it was kind of overcast and humid and and there was heavy rain all day. The ball just was not carrying. You mentioned the one that Goldschmidt just missed early on, but other than that, uh, you know, we talked about how how good Soroka was. 
you know, it was it wasn't even like they were hitting the ball to the warning track and, and he was just he was just kind of scraping by. I mean, the Cardinals really weren't doing anything. It was all either strikeouts or little pop flies or grounders somewhere. Um, so, yeah, at one point, I think after Joyce's, it was it was truly it was like, man, is this just not going to be the Braves day? And it, it felt like that. Maybe it's recent playoff history talking there just because <laughs> it seems like nothing ever goes right. Um, but it, it obviously worked out. And um, and I, I also thought that Dansby's line drive in the ninth inning, uh, not to jump innings here, but I thought that was out as well. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised that, that was rocked. There. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, the first seven innings, I mean, echo everything that Scott said uh, in terms of, like, you know, what the ball was doing and, you know, the difference in kind of the quality of the of, of contact and all that stuff. The biggest thing for me is just the sheer number of uncompetitive at-bats the Braves were putting together. Ugh. And, I mean, I mean, like, it wasn't, I mean, like, they were just, like, they, they at least in the first inning, like, they made Wayne White throw some pitches. But then, like, he, they just stopped doing that, and they were, like, you know, it was like first pitch, second pitch outs, and they were like pop outs, and they were just like these like gross balls balls in play that just never never had a chance of doing anything, or they were striking out on these pitches. And I'm just like, you know, it's it's one thing where you know like there's a a guy has you know the righties in the, the lineup has their number, or you know, or vice versa, but like this was a guy that was supposed to get raked by lefties, and the guys who look arguably the worst in this game were the lefties in Freddie and Marquegas. And that was that was very frustrating in that it just felt like that I mean like look, hat hat tip to Wainwright. Like this is a guy that's like pitched in big playoff games before. So it's not like he, you know, he, he's he's certainly made his living, you know, with postseason success in the past. So I'm not taking too much away from him, but he's not throwing the same as he was back in those days. And it just felt like that there was a lot I mean Ozzy was good. He had some, you know, he had he had some hits in like through those first seven innings, but he was pretty much it for the Braves, and that was pretty frustrating. Yeah, the um, the offense was was frustrating. I wrote down miserable a few different times on the uh, on the notes document. There was uh, not a lot to be excited about in the offensively anyway in the first seven innings, but the reckoning was coming, and uh, that's my tease to get through this break we're about to go to. And coming after the break, we will talk about the more fun stuff. Uh, eventually with ninth inning and look ahead to game four. So uh, don't go anywhere and hold on one second. All right, guys, we're back. Um, let's talk about the eighth inning first, which was not as fun. And then the ninth inning to cap this thing off in our deep dive um, game evaluation here. So the eighth inning, um, yeah, let's just go through what happened. Uh, Dansby singles with one out. Uh, Adam Duvall pinch hits and lines out. And then uh, Acuna draws a really, really impressive walk. Uh, followed by Ozzy also walking to bring bases loaded two outs. The scenario that everyone dreams about is Freddie Freeman at the plate in the biggest of bat of the season to that point in time. Bases loaded two outs against Andrew Miller. And uh, Freddie, you know, misses a middle-middle slider. Is that a fair description? That's what I wrote down. Just yeah. kind of a yeah. – yeah. he, just, he just missed it. Um, it was not a good pitch by Miller. He, you know, he didn't strike out. He, he was sort of just a lazy fly out, and that was the end of that. That – that hurt my soul, number one, because obviously at that point in time, the Braves are still trailing, and it's just really deflating when you have the spot that you want. I mean, you have your best hitter up. Granted, it's, it's against a lefty and a quality lefty in Miller, but he isn't super dominant in the way that he used to be, and Freddie's just been struggling a little bit, and it didn't end up mattering at the end. But uh, at that moment in time, I have to say I was not too terribly optimistic. 
No, I mean, it was a killer. I even, I even uh, tried to jinx it and tweet that Freddie Freeman had never hit a Grand Slam before and hoping that it would finally be his time. Um, obviously, he, he just missed. I mean, it was a, as you said, it was a middle-middle slider down a little bit, which is kind of his sweet spot, and, and just missed it. It was crushing because it was the first time all game they had really gotten to Wainwright, um, and, and he missed it. And, and he hasn't had the best of series uh against the Cardinals. He had the one homer in game one as they were trying to come back. And that's been about it for Freddie. I don't know how healthy he is. And if it's just, you know, you're obviously talking about a three game sample size here, but um, it, it would have been a, a signature moment for him to, to do something with it. And thankfully it didn't end up costing them the game. Yeah. And the, like, there's a couple, there's a few bad things about this inning. One is like the, the, the line out that Duvall had the expected batting average on that was like five fifty. So like, that. it's like, like it felt like I'm like, okay, here it's happening again. You know, the Braves are going to like hit a bunch of balls hard and they're not going to get anything out of it. And, you know, and we're going to end up losing to that again, that ball that, that Scott was talking about, like you know, just a, a loop d- double that ends up, you know, manufacturing a run. And that's going to be the only run scored in this game. Uh, after all this hard contact, uh, Cunha and Ozzie draw walks. Ozzie drawing a walk is particularly noteworthy considering he doesn't do so very often. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, you, you have the bases loaded. There's two outs. And, you know, I'm, you're, you're watching it happen. And, just, and it feels like, you know, the, the right guy in the right situation is up there. And not only does he miss it, I mean, again, you just, you're not always going to get those. And, I mean, Andrew Miller's a pretty good pitcher. So, like, you know, you know, even though it's a middle middle slider, you know that's not a guy. It's not a guy that you know is just you know throwing complete you know garbage up there. Um, but then like the reactions to all of it that you know like people were saying talking about you know Freddie calling out Acuna and then he's not actually going to do anything in the series and I'm just and it, it, it like things are going sideways not just in the game but like in terms of like Braves fandom as a morale. whole morale was yeah, low morale is really low. Uh, and, and like, and then, you know, Freed walks a couple guys and, you know, then O'Day has to come in and, you know, and, and, you know, basically they, the only reason that they don't score another run is because Harrison Bader runs about a one. And, like, and then that should have been a balk, by the way, 100%. That was Ooh. a balk. You didn't really step it. Step I, didn't, it I didn't think about that. that. That's, that's a good point. I mean, we should talk about just kind of what happened. I know Eric just set it up, but the two walks from Freed was not what you wanted to see there. Um, did get an out, but uh, O'Day comes in, and you know the biggest play of that inning, aside from Freddie flying out, was O'Day somehow getting Bader there. But was it? A, I, I, I also didn't even know. Didn't even notice slash think about Balk. Was it really that clear? I mean, I, it wasn't like an obvious one that they missed, and I get that in the heat of the moment, you know, an umpire might not see it, but it could have been called a Balk without any problem, and I don't think like there wouldn't have been outrage that it was this terrible call. Um, I believe you. I I wish I had thought about this. this I, is a I, good I, yeah, I, I'm. I I saw it, and at, once I saw the replay, I'm like, that that could be called a balk. But you know, again, it wasn't like an egregious one where, like, you know, like the mm-hmm. the Cardinals are going to be like playing the rest of the game under protest, or if they don't get, if it doesn't get called, or something like that. But it's definitely it definitely could have been one. Um, you know, that was, that was which, big, by the way. And Snicker uh, Snicker was crediting O'Day in the post game, um, just kind of having that guy up there and doing his job there, you know, it's helpful, but they kind of knew, at least Snicker said that they, they kind of knew that Bader is super aggressive and they were watching for it. And I think that's worth crediting. I mean, it's not like that's, we. it's kind of tough, tough to talk about how much that matters there, but the fact that they were aware of Bader potentially trying to steal that base is probably what happened because normally relievers are bad at holding runners. That's kind of as a rule. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So, 
that's that's big. I mean, if, if it was a balk, then thank you to the umpiring crew for not for not pointing that out. But uh, that was a big swing moment because you know getting that free out saves them a run probably. So, there mm-hmm. you go. I mean, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say Bader has really cost St. Louis this series. I mean, he had terrible games one and two at the plate. Did start today. And then to get picked off in that situation or caught stealing in that situation is just a real killer. So he has been a uh, shots to him. The breaks have benefited. <laughs> yeah, big fans of Harrison Bader. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and they 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 bring in Newcomb to flip Dexter Fowler around, which I was okay with. You know, O'Day is basically a roogie at this point, so uh, I was good with that maneuver to bring Newcomb in. Um, the timing's kind of he should have been in a batter earlier, though. Yeah, uh, I, I was trying. I was trying to be nice. Eric, we're gonna get. To, we're, I'm not. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get to later where I have some questions. Um, but you know that worked out. The free out was very helpful, and the Braves escaped there with, with a chance to make a dent. Because if they're if they're down two, you know, this is very easy and from the Department of Obvious. But if they're down two nothing, it's, you know, a little bit more frightening than one nothing. And particularly particularly with the way they managed the ninth, it didn't end up mattering because they scored three runs. But um, Snicker was certainly managing for one run in the ninth with the way that he was handling that. They put, you know, going to the ninth now, you know, the biggest probably overlooked play of the ninth inning at this point was the Josh Donaldson double to lead things off because so much, so much happened yep. after that. But Donaldson mm-hmm. was had been cold in the series. Um, him doubling there and just kind of getting the momentum going, obviously, just in addition to the two bases, um, was huge. And they, they bring in Hamilton. Um, what'd you make of Hamilton running there? Pe- people, I'm not sure how many people, but I got some tweets like, "Why is Hamilton running for Donaldson? What if we need him later?" I'm like, "Well, you gotta you gotta make the game keep going." Yeah, that, that was my opinion. Anyway, no, I I didn't hate it. I mean, I was a little confused just because you're taking out one of your best bats and and in that middle of the order spot too. But no, I mean if what good is Billy Hamilton sitting on the bench if you don't score a run there? Now, maybe somebody comes up and hits a 450-foot homer and you just burned your your biggest weapon off the bench as far as a base runner, but um, I, I was cool with it. Well, and I'll, before you... I would have done it. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I should have I should have said a second ago is if, if Markakis gets him to third base, then everyone understands why Hamilton's running, if that makes sense. But because that didn't happen, um, and we'll talk about that next, that people were i'm not sure if it was revisionist or not but like yes i understand it's it's kind of weird but i promise you if you have one out and a man on third you want it to be billy hamilton like that's the guy in baseball that you'd want (laughs) at third base uh so i mean donaldson getting burnt i guess hurts you and clearly if they go to extra innings no one's thrilled that he's he's not available but you gotta i mean in the ninth inning of a playoff game you just gotta get the run that's where i am on it Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. A little odd, uh, especially we talked a couple nights ago about they didn't pinch run for Brian McCann on first <laughs> yeah, base. I don't know what's going but on. They, you know, but hey, at, at this point, they've won the last two games. All is good. If they lose, it's obviously a, more of a contentious point, but um, it worked out. Eric, I, I, cut, you, I cut you off. Um, I'm going to let you uh, answer first on this one. Uh, thoughts on the Marquecas at bat in the ninth inning? That's now overlooked, but man, that was awful. It was legitimately terrible, and he has been pretty bad this entire series. He has two hits, one of which had a 1% chance of actually being a hit. But it was so, a double, Eric. They scored. It was a double. Yeah, yeah. no, that that makes it, yeah. It was helpful. So, <laughs> which, which he absolutely wasn't in this game. No. Uh, I mean, aside from some suspect play out in the outfield, he was just had really bad at-bats and just, you know, wasn't doing much. Look, this is a... a Cardinals team that's like righty heavy and 
he should have had at least some advantages to where we've given him credit for at the very least he can hit right-handers and he has looked legitimately bad and that's frustrating when you're like you're you're trying to justify why you're batting this guy fifth in your lineup and you know all the jokes about him being a professional hitter etc cetera, etc cetera, when there's it just seems like there's just lots of reasons why they shouldn't be doing that and then he's just found more and more ways to justify that opinion because he hasn't done much this series i i'm ho- look next, tomorrow you know when presumably it's Dakota Hudson i hope he hits he goes Three for five with two home runs. I'm I'm going to be thrilled if that happens. But you know the first three games, you know, in terms of real letdowns, I mean, Marquez is up there because at the very least you would ex- expect him to like not strike out like he has been and actually been drawing some walks or at least something. If you look at win probability added, um, I can't remember who had this. So my apologies that I, I saw this on Twitter. If anybody remembers, let me know. But um, the two the two worst players in the lineup, um, Melanson still last because of the because of game one um, on the Braves team in terms of win probability added. But um, the worst position player is Marquez, and the second worst is Freddie Freeman, which is kind of crazy considering he had the double. I uh, sorry the home run in game one. Um, but those two guys have not had the greatest series in the world, which goes back to your point earlier about all the left all the left handed bats not really coming through in a big way. But yeah, Marquez. I mean, I don't want to overstate it there, but. Um, and nobody cares now, and they shouldn't, by the way, because <laughs> they, they won the game. But uh, getting not making contact there is just so brutal, particularly – I mean, it was kind of funny to see all of the professional hitter jokes because that was just very obviously going to happen there. But honestly, if I'm being, if I'm being truthful, in that spot, um, he's one of the guys you would want at the plate. If the whole, if the whole goal is to get Hamilton to third base, Marquecas is usually pretty good at that kind of stuff. So it was even more brutal that he struck out in that, in that spot because you would think that at the very least he, he could send a grounder to second base. Because, I mean, obviously you want better than that. But, I mean, oh, last thing I wanted to ask both of you. People were, even and to their credit, it was before he swung. I would not have done this, but people were asking if he should be bunting there. And I would not have done that. Um, but I wanted to at least make sure I wasn't crazy. I, I, I'm not a big bunt guy, though, so what did you guys no. think about that? I wouldn't have bunted. I mean, I'm, I'm far from the biggest Nick Marcakis fan in the world, obviously. But um, in that situation, swing the bat, especially with, uh, especially with Billy Hamilton on second base. I mean, even a little little jam shot somewhere he gets the run in. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, um, the the crazy thing is, like, people were with a straight face arguing to bunt with the number five hitter in the lineup, <laughs> no outs, and a man on second base, and it was like. Uh, I mean, I, I understand because if there's ever a spot, I suppose that's it when you're down one in the ninth and you really need one run. I guess that's the spot, but I, I would not have done that. Eric, Eric, do you agree here? Well, yeah, I mean, especially since it's Marcakis, because you know the one thing he's really good at is hitting grounders to the right side, which is exactly what you need to what happen to get to, to get to get Hamilton over. Um, my favorite was Dave O'Brien, that, given the explanation of why he was asked why they didn't bunt, and he said, "Do you have, do you understand the history of Braves hitters trying to bunt against guys with velocity recently?" And I'm like, "Wow, we're using Charlie Culberson getting hit in the face as a reason why that didn't happen, <laughs> as opposed to there's not a hundred other reasons yeah, why they no, should do no, it." No, thank you. I am, I'm very I out was, on that. Was, we, we could we, we could probably leave that there for uh, for safety purposes. But yes, I I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, the next plate appearance was was Hechevaria, who was pinch hitting. Um, before we get to what he actually did, was he would he have been the guy you pinch hit with there, uh, knowing that Duvall was already used and was actually still in the game? So your options were basically Hechevaria, 
Cervelli, Flowers, and Ortega at that point. Uh, yeah, I was I was cool with it. It would, it would have been fine with me. I would have been fine with Cervelli as well. Uh, but either you know, but it's I, I. But I also understand why you don't there as well. So you know, Etchemarie was a fine pick for me. I I do think that if this was happening, you know, three months ago. Hecheria with his previous baseline of offense would have bothered me, but he has been good in Atlanta, so I'm, I was okay with it. I just wanted to at least ask that question because I had it written down. Obviously, he he swings at ball four, which is unfortunate, and strikes out. Um, just should have walked there. It didn't really matter again at the end, but um, it actually came up kind of big because him striking out, um, you know, prompted. I, I almost said forced, but definitely not forced, but prompted the Cardinals to walk Brian McCann intentionally. Um, and yeah, I still don't get that. It was Snicker, you know, to his credit, he didn't um, take the victory lap much in the post game. He was asked, and he kind of said he understood it why the Cardinals did that, just because you know you want righty righty, um, and you know, kind of all that thing. Like he basically said that it was supposed to be a good matchup for the Cardinals, but he also credited his player and said, you know, Dansby has, you know, I think he said like DNA for this, and you know, Swanson has been um, at least. In some in some respects, quote clutch in his young career, it was weird because for me anyway, I know that you only need one out, and that's the thinking there. But um, big picture wise, if you're the Cardinals, even if you like the matchup better with Swanson, you're putting a second runner on base, like you're putting the winning run on base. Like I I don't I just don't like that. I mean, it worked out great for the Braves, and um, I guess one for one. Would you rather face McCann than um, Swanson if you're a right-handed pitcher? I, I could sort of see that, but there were other things in play here, and uh, I I'm glad they did it, but uh, I was I was confused as well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely that's not the what I would have done uh, if for no other reason. It kind of felt like they were giving McCann more credit than frankly he's deserved at the plate of late. Yep. Um and uh, you know, and and look, I mean, I have no problems with Brian McCann being in the lineup. Don't 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 get me wrong, but you're you're not. Like the flow of the game matters in terms of like what you've been seeing from McCann. And if you, th- I just don't think that McCann could catch up with Martinez in terms of velocity if they were really going after him, right? So if you want to pitch around him and maybe you know, and then do it that way, I wouldn't hate it. But just putting the run on, and then Dansby, who's been one of the got few guys in the lineup that's actually been hitting the ball hard, um, and he and he was doing it against the guy who just threw eight scoreless innings. I, you know, I was it was a little bit dicey for me and. You know, it kind of worked out really well because he laced the double and tied the game, and then you know the rest was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of bizarre to me, honestly, that they that they chose to do that because, like you said, if they wanted to be careful with McCann, I would have understood that. But this isn't a situation where if you're walking, um, you know, for instance, if you're walking Freeman to get to somebody behind him, or you're walking, you know. Donaldson to get to Marcakis, like okay, I get that to some degree. Like if it's a, if it's a, if it's a big if it's a bigger drop off, I would understand it. McCann to Dansby is not a, really a drop off. Like I know I know there was the handedness issue, and I guess that's probably what he was trying to play into. But at any rate, that worked out very well. And Dansby, like, like we like we discussed earlier, had a, a heck of a night, both defensively too. Like real quickly, Dansby had at least two, maybe three, like high end plays defensively in this game. Really good. Yeah, he looked really good. I actually want to ask both of you guys this. Considering what happened to Martinez earlier in this series, would you have run him out there in the ninth inning? Because I was when they when they, I saw him back in there, I was like, I don't know if that's the decision I would make. I mean, I don't candidly, I'm not sure like, who would you have gone with. I, I think Gallegos is the only other guy yeah. who 
has pretty consistently been their late innings. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the one, I don't want to say the only flaw of the Cardinals, but they, they do not have a lights out games over closer. Right. I mean, that Martinez has, has sure. shown some, some issues. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little surprised he was back out there. It might also be, you know, Schilt, the Cardinals manager is a, you know, a veteran guy, kind of like Brian Snicker. He's probably of the, uh, the mindset of you just keep running your, your bets out there. Certainly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it obviously worked out. Yeah. And can we also, can we also talk about Martinez blowing Billy Hamilton a kiss at second base after he was, after, after he was the, like the big yeah. respect me and respect the game guy in game one. Did you, uh, and to to this uh, to this as well. Um, this was this was after the the biggest swing of the game, which we'll talk about in a second from Duvall again. But um, he also almost hit Ronnie, and Ronnie was not happy. Man, like Ro- Ronnie took his time going to first base, um, and mm-hmm. Yadi had to walk him up the line. Anybody enjoy that? That was a yeah. There was, I enjoyed it. I'm not that, gonna that lie. was that was a scene. Uh, you know, credit to Ronnie for not make, for not actually doing anything stupid in a playoff game that gets you uh, in trouble. But uh, you could tell he was not. Not pleased with uh, Martinez nearly hitting him or um, the stare down or whatever was said as well. Those two guys don't like each other right now. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean I don't. I don't like Yachty and his neck tattoos at all. So when he, I mean, he literally walked him to first base. Like, like he dude. walked him a long way down there. <laughs> and then uh, Eric Young at first base got involved too, and and that's not somebody you want to mess with. But. Uh, but yeah, that was no, no not at all. <laughs> no, he's a bad dude. Um, but yeah, I was, despite I was, being like five eight, like EY, EY senior is like not a, not a large man. Take, yeah, he'll take your knee out and then you won't get back up. Yeah. Um, but no, anyway, it was it was weird. I mean, but if that ball's another two inches inside, it probably breaks Ronald's wrist. Yeah, so it was, I well, it was almost bad. I mean, I, I don't blame him either. That was not a spot where. And plus, right out, it was right after the barrage. Like you've just taken the lead. You had the history from the from the previous where I guess Martinez was yapping at him about the home run and whatever happened there, which is all silly um, stuff that I don't want to dive deep into right now. But yeah, that was kind of uh, interesting side theater that I wanted to bring up. But you know, clearly the biggest swing was Adam Duvall. Um, this is the quote. This is the quote that I wrote down on the uh, on the document. Adam Duvall, my pants are off. End quote. <laughs> yeah, that was my note it on the doc. And that's all I got. I don't know. It was it was incredible. I am very pro Adam Duvall, but uh, that's the second time in the series. You know, he has the two biggest swings in the series. Essentially, I mean, I, I guess Dansby too, but yeah, just massive from Adam Duvall to break it open because the damage was done to some degree. Like the game was going to keep going, but then you know, going up by two there is just so huge. I mean, you know, if you want to win a playoff series, you need somebody who's not expected to step up because inevitably your stars aren't going to shine like they have all year, and we've seen the Braves haven't gotten exactly what they've wanted to or hoped for out of their one through four. Um, but at the same time, you need somebody like Duval to step up and, and he obviously has. Yeah. I, I kind of tweeted this tongue in cheek immediately after this happened, but I kind of mean it too. I kind of think that Duval's the front runner for a series MVP. If the Braves win this series, Be- I mean, you know, just because of, yeah. just because I'm sure what's happened, you know, he's, it's, like, it's kind he's of crazy because he hasn't started a game. Like he's probably played, right. I don't know how many innings he's played, but it's it's less than ten innings in three games, um, and I think you might be right. Like I, I I'm not sure that's going to continue because you probably need to have something else happen. He would need. I don't think he's going to start tomorrow. For instance, I was going to say that's my next question. Do you start him over? I mean, well, you know, he's not going to start over Marquez, but would you start him over Joyce? It kind of depends on what your reaction is because if you look at just the series, 
Duvall has looked a lot better than Joyce. Uh, and, and he's a better defender. But if you take a step back and look at a larger sample, Joyce has been a much better hitter against right-handed pitching um, in their careers and this season and every other metric you want to look at. So it's kind of whatever you want. People are, are definitely asking that today, and I understand why, because Duvall has been so good. Like, why isn't he playing more? I'm like, well... It's matchups, and I think we all know if they advance, then he's going to be facing any, any left-handed pitcher. Duvall's going to be starting. We all know that. But um, I think I am inclined to say I would not because I am a process guy. But I would not argue with anyone if he was starting. If he was starting tomorrow, I think it's defensible, if for no other reason, that the presumed starter to go to Dakota Hudson. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but you know this is a guy that like likes to walk the world anyway, and if you're not sure about the if you're wondering if Joyce is going to be able to do anything if he seems to be in a struggling you know state of mind is not getting the job done then you can say well we're going to go with the hot guy who seems to be taking really good at bats against righties and then once that happens you know at least very least you're going against the guy who doesn't who seems to struggle finding the plate and at very least you might get some walks out of him because Duvall will take his fair share of walks too so you know it's I, I think it's defensible I, I'm, I would be fine either way but uh and in terms of like purely narrative ways, I, I would actually like Duvall because in addition to the two big swings, you know, gunning the guy at the plate in the game one too, you know, that that kind of kept the Braves in the game a little bit more. So I, I mean, I, overall, I'd be good either way. The the thing the the reason why I wouldn't be arguing in favor, I'm sorry, against Duvall is that he's the best defender of the three corner outfielders. So if if nothing else, I don't think he's as good of a hitter against right-handed pitching as Marquecas and Joyce are. The numbers just wouldn't tell you that he is. But A, he seems to be kind of hot right now, if you believe in that. But B, he's the best defender, so that's an easier argument. If he was a terrible defender, it would be a lot harder to argue that. But, you know, sure. I, I understand I understand Marquecas has, has a gold glove. Uh, Duvall's a better defender than Marquecas. I'm, I'm not going to argue any anything else. That's just, I think it's pretty clear. But regardless, he's definitely better than Joyce. Even, even if you're a Marquecas zealot, which... Okay, um, he's a better defender than Joyce f- for sure. So, uh, yeah, I could I could see all I could see all sides. Scott, did you answer your own question? What would you do? I, no, I think because it is a righty. I think I mean it's kind of one of those if it ain't broke, don't fix it things. Um, I think I would roll with Joyce and Marcakis again, and then use Duvall in my you know, I guess biggest moment in the later innings, knowing he can fill in for either of those guys. Um, but uh, if he keeps producing at some point. Um, I will say the Cardinals have pitched Joyce really well this series. Uh, he's somebody who is much better against fastballs than breaking stuff, and they have thrown heavy, heavy, even you know outside of today, they've thrown him almost exclusively junk. Um, so they have they've done a good job against him, and and he was somebody who I think a lot of people thought would have a good series, just considering how right-handed heavy the Cardinals are. But ultimately, I think you, you run him out there one more time and and see what happens. Yeah, I think we uh, are all kind of close to each other on that one, but yeah, certainly that'll be interesting to see. Um, before we talk about the bottom of the ninth, um, sort of a transition here, the Braves made the couple of natural moves that you would make after you know they kind of went all in on the top of the ninth. They ran for Donaldson, for instance. Um, they obviously took McCann out, um, so they had to go fill some spots. So they brought in Hetcheverry at third base because he's the only option to do that. They brought in flowers to catch, which people, you know, I saw some people that were upset because of his past balls. I'm like, okay, stop. Um, flowers is still a good, a good defensive catcher. Um, and then they bring in Melanson to close, which is not a surprise. Um, he is the closer. He's been anointed as such by uh, Brian Snicker. Um, I, I want to ask you about Melanson, but um, my one gripe, my one biggest gripe of the night 
which is kind of insane, but I think it's still true. Billy Hamilton ran in the top of the ninth, and Billy Hamilton, the best defensive outfitter on the roster, did not stay in to play defense with a two-run lead. Discuss. I, I was a little surprised by it. Um, I, I would like the idea of, of putting him in center and shifting Acuna and his arm into right. Um, again, it's, it's kind of one of those things. If they win, you don't care about it. If they lose, yeah, you're no, Nobody about, cares now. And I know, um, I know it's like dumb to talk about this, but I said it in a moment. So, I mean, I'm not just saying it now. It was not revisionist. And man, if that, if, if, if that, uh, double I'm quoting in quotations right now, if that double to right comes back to bite them, that would have been funny because I, I'm not sure that that becomes a double. If, if Acuna is playing right field, that's kind of all I would say about that. At least it, yeah. it would have been close anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, he, there, there, there at least been a throw that would have, yeah, you know, I mean, as, as opposed to loafing to the ball. I just think process wise, like it doesn't make any sense to me. That's kind of what, you know, I agree. If you're going to use Billy Hamilton's entire role on the roster is to run and play defense. He ran, which is his best role. We will say, but like Billy Hamilton is a full stop elite defensive center fielder. So why, if you just brought him in, he doesn't have to hit you're up by two. Like, that's the spot to bring him in. Like, I don't understand why you would take him out of the game right there. Like, just have him play defense. This is not, this is not hard. I don't, <laughs> it just well, felt so obvious to me that it was like, okay, this doesn't, this may not matter. And it, and it clearly did not matter at the end of the day. It just felt like a dumb thing that happened. I don't know. I, I will say this, and, and this isn't excusing anything. I think, given that it's the playoffs and it's Brian Snicker managing, I can't think of any situation short of injury where Nick Markakis is going to be subbed out of a game. Oh, yeah, he's not going to – I mean, I'm not – that's why. That is flat-out why Hamilton didn't stay in, and I know that. We all know that, I think. That doesn't make it any better, that doesn't make it any better for me, but I agree oh, with 100%, you. Oh, 100%, but, but, but I, I'm just – like, you, you could see Hamilton coming in for Acuna. You could see – I could see any <laughs> other guy. I, do, I, I, do, I don't think – I think it's that much. I think that oh, it is more likely that he would see how Acuna played a fly ball and he would put Hamilton in there to send that guy a message than sit up Nick Markekis, who's objectively worse oh. even when he's quote-unquote playing the hardest. Sweet Lord. Uh, man, could you imagine if he pulled Acuna for defense? Um, all right. We'll, we'll leave that there for now. Um, oh, Melanson. Any, any issue with Melanson coming in? Like I, I think I've been a little bit surprised. Not that he's used Melanson, because that's that's kind of just what he's going to do. Anybody surprised about the lack of Shane Green? Like not even as an option bit, yeah. discussed. Yeah, a little bit. It's like, kind of weird. He's hurt. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I had the same thought as Eric. He he was warming up in I think the seventh inning was when uh, Sirocco gave up his second hit of the game, and and it was like okay, if he gives up one more, maybe you go meet him and then and then take him out. Um, and he was warming up momentarily, but obviously didn't come into the game. So I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, it makes me wonder if like Green is hurt because again he was warming up kind of quickly. But it just it seemed like I understood why Freed saw. Uh, I think it was Wong and uh, I can't remember. It was like two lefties that he ended up having to see, and I understood the rationale for doing that, but. After that, just not bringing in Green and like preferring to bring in Sean Newcomb to Shane Green in certain spots, I was like, "What is happening right now?" Now, so if he doesn't play tomorrow, regardless of what the situation is, I, I think he's hurt. Now, maybe he's just kind of thinking that if they're having to run Melanson out as much as they have these first three games, that they might need Green to like close out a game tomorrow. I mean, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're pitching it. Melanson tomorrow, that's four games in five days. That's a lot. Man. Yeah, like, I don't think I don't, I don't think they can run him out tomorrow. 
maybe they maybe they can, but I feel like just with usage the way that it is in today's baseball, I think he's kind of got to be like a last resort. Like I I don't know if I don't know if you're in a in a safe situation or however you want to talk about that high leverage situation tomorrow. You can go to a guy for the fourth for the fourth time in five days, including when he threw a, he threw a lot of pitches in game one too, and it's a lot of high leverage like. I'm not saying he's off limits because I don't know that, and that's it's one of those things where we don't have all the all the information. But you just don't see guys throw four times in five days very often. No, but fortunately Tyler Flowers was there to to close out the save because oh, like, that 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 call on Ozuna, oh man! I know there was one on Goldie too before Goldie hit the double, but like the one the strike three against Ozuna, I was I was like, thank well, you, Tyler Flowers. It was just it, it was you know it's bad when every Braves fan is like making some joke about Sam Holbrook calling it. Cause everybody knew how bad that call was. Like no one even argued with me. Like I tweeted out how bad the call was and it was like universal agreement. And you know, usually some Homer somewhere is like, Oh, that's definitely a strike. Like, no, everyone agreed in unison. That was not a strike. It just worked out. Yeah. Great. No, I mean, you flowers full array was on display. And I mean, there was at least, I think two, maybe three pitches. He completely stole, um, you know, as everyone knows, that's kind of his, that's his biggest weapon is the pitch framing. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty fantastic. And then you get the fly out and the game and the game ends. Uh, it felt so fast. I mean, I know it wasn't, but from, from one, nothing down to three, one and the game is over. It just felt like it happened in an instant to me, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in the best way possible. Well, the first it's... seven innings were, I mean, truly, I mean, other than how many hits do the Braves have in the first like seven or eight innings? Uh, two. I think not. Very yeah. Two. And and the Cardinals had uh, one. the one mini rally, and and then Ozuna hit the one in the seventh. But yeah, I mean the game flew by. I mean, it, it, in a way it did. And then of course everything got kind of wild in the eighth, leaving the bases loaded, and then the ninth, of course. But um, yeah, it was, it was funny how that worked out. For sure. Um, any final thoughts on this game before we do the, our, our last little segment, looking ahead to tomorrow and beyond? Because I think I've said all that I came to say, other than just that was fun. Yeah, shout out to the guy who uh, tweeted at me after Acuna didn't, I mean, not Acuna, when uh, Freeman didn't come through with the bases loaded and said, give me Bryce Ball. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Very on-brand prospect nonsense uh, in Eric's mentions. I I, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, my followers are a a fun group. That's great. Scott? I'm glad they won. There you go. Hot takes. Me too. Me too. Uh, All right. Let's look ahead to tomorrow. Um, You know, the elephant in the room here is that during the press conference, Brian Snicker was asked um, who was going to start game four, and he did not give an answer. He said that it was sort of a grueling night, emotional night, and they hadn't talked about it yet. Um, You know, take that for what it's worth. I will say Max Free pitching tonight takes him off the table. That's not an option anymore. He's now thrown three times in four days, and he does not do that. So I, I can't imagine Max Freed's an option anymore so it's basically a two-man race unless you want to argue for Josh Tomlin which I'm not going to do it's either going to be Julio Tehran or Dallas Keuchel on three days rest on Monday um you know there's there's there have been a couple tweets that are out there from DOB and Bowman kind of leaning in the Keuchel direction that was kind of what I thought too but you know nothing firm from the Braves but I guess one at a time what would you do and what do you think Snickers going to do if that's different than what you would do? Um, me personally, I would. I think I would go with Keuchel because of the veteran. We joke, but the veteran presence. But tomorrow's game, other than Fulty and obviously Soroka, I think all hands are on deck. 
Um, I would have Keuchel, and if all of a sudden he begins the second inning with a walk and a single, I think you start warming up somebody in the bullpen. I mean, I Terror. truly think that's uh, yeah. I, I think that's or Tomlin at least, Tomlin. like you got to have yeah. you have long men for a reason. So that would be my my general uh, strategy for tomorrow. Yeah, I think handcuffing Keuchel because Keuchel he went into the fifth inning in the game one. He didn't look particularly good no, to me. He did not. I mean, he was he I mean, like he was getting those ground balls, but. I mean, Josh Donaldson made that, gave him that one run as opposed to you know three or four, uh, getting those getting those double plays and things like that. So, I mean, I'm this is going to sound nuts. I'm not going to think it's crazy if they go with Julio and handcuff him to Keiko or handcuff him to Tomlin, just because if you're going to run to Julio out there, it's going to be against a, a righty heavy team where you're not facing elimination. Uh, I thought there was zero chance that he was going to go out there in Game Four if the Braves are facing elimination. But now that they have "Quote unquote," a game to play with. It's more defensible to me to to run him out there and like you know have Keiko or have Tomlin ready to go um, if anything starts going wrong, which it very well could because it's Julio. Um, but I think you guys are right in that what's more likely is that Keiko with Julio and or Tomlin kind of sit, lay, laying in the weeds, waiting for him just in case something crazy happens. Uh, I don't see any crazy bullpen game happening. Uh, I don't really see that happening unless like the Braves are like facing elimination. That is like they're like, well, everyone's in there. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. That that's probably only going to happen if you start someone and they blow up a little bit. Like I'm with you. The honestly, there is a dynamic here that we just don't know on the outside, and that is the readiness of Keuchel to go like how much sure. he's ready to go, how much he's willing to go. You know, he's th- it's three days rest. It's not like freakish, but you know, it's not two days rest, it's three. And he only threw 74 pitches, but, you know, that's the big domino that we just don't have the access to until they tell us is whether he's willing and able to go to start. Um, because, you know, you assume, you would assume that, you know, he anybody they start, at least in my opinion, needs to be on a relatively short leash, um, you know, Julio or Keuchel. I do think that the other one of those two guys should be ready to go because, Here's the other thing that's worth pointing out and remembering is that Mike Fulton, which will be on full, will be on full rest for game five. So you don't need to hold Keuchel. Like that's a big domino for me is that if game five was the, if there was not, if there was not an off day and suddenly you have a situation where you have to run Keuchel and Fulton on three days rest back to back, like then it becomes, you have to use Julio in my opinion. But when you have Fulton at full rest for game five, you can afford to get a little bit more aggressive, I think, with Keuchel. That might that, that might seem counterintuitive to some degree, but I just think that there's not really an it's not, there's not really the same incentive to hold Keuchel to Game Five that you might have in a different situation because of how good Fulty was and how good and how much rest he will have. So, if and this is a big if, if Keuchel is ready to go and wants the ball and they feel like he's ready to handle you know five innings. Then that's what I would do. Um, to your point about Tehran, I, I think I will not be terribly upset if they go to Julio. Like I, I wouldn't do that, but I will not throw a tantrum in the way that I would have if they were losing and they went to Tehran. To, I think you might have said that too. But yeah, if you do it, just keep them on a short leash. That's that's my only that's my only thing. And listen, I argued before the series, and I think we all kind of did in certain ways that if you have Tehran on the roster, he kind of needs to start. And so far, he's been on the roster for two games and hasn't pitched yet. So I have a feeling that they at least were thinking about having him go here. But I don't know. 
at the end of the day, my last opinion on this is that if Keuchel can go and is ready to go, that's what I would do. I think that's where I'm at too. You just kind of mon. I mean, again, you you truly take it at bat by at bat, and you have to yeah. see if Keuchel comes out and clearly is not right. Maybe you pull him after two innings. You know, I mean, that's if that's yes. what it, it calls for. It's a playoff game. You do it. I mean, if if it's an inning. If he goes out there in the first inning tomorrow and throws 35 pitches and somehow escapes without giving up runs, and he clearly doesn't have his command, and the Cardinals just missed hitting a couple of homers, uh, you pull him. I mean, what do you? You, you have, have you have Julio, I mean, up. and Tomlin too. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to do. I mean, the whole, they knew what they were doing when they chose Julio to take Martin's roster spot, and if yep. he doesn't start, who? Honestly, Julio should pitch tomorrow, unless Keuchel just comes out and is awesome and somehow gets to and somehow gets through five. If Keuchel is not just lights out, Julio probably should pitch at some point tomorrow. Like, yeah, if for no other reason, if you're if they're running Keuchel out there, then they're going to load up the lineup with even more righties, and that makes it more friendly for Julio. So if he you know goes one time through the order, then you can probably just put Julio in there, and that's at least the best case scenario for Julio. Whether or not it actually goes well is a bit for a different animal. And though. he's not. I mean, as much as we get on Julio, and I think that's justified for the most part, Julio's not any worse than uh, Dakota Hudson, who's pitching for the Cardinals tomorrow. Like, no. I think if you threw, I think if you asked me in a vacuum, gun to my head. Dakota Hudson pitches for the Cardinals and Julio pitches for the Braves, and you tell me that ahead of time. I think the Braves, maybe they're not like outright favorite because it's in St. Louis, but like that's not a an unfavorable matchup. I know Hudson had a three point three five ERA this year, but if you look at D- Dakota Hudson's peripherals, he had a four point nine three FIP. He led the league. I'm not exaggerating. He led the league in walks, eighty six walks, and one hundred thirty six strikeouts. Like Dakota Hudson doesn't eat innings either. Like he's kind of a He's kind of like Julio, but worse. I mean, yeah, in terms of walks for hundred percent worse. Yeah, and he's a sinker baller, and that's his thing. So he he walks guys, he gives up a bunch of hits, it's but just then weird. he he throws a sinker. And if you get three double plays in a, in a game, which I think he did, if memory serves, he pitched decently against the Braves earlier this year, even if it was four months ago. Um, but I, I think while he did lead, lead the league in walks, um, I also think he led the league in uh, double plays, and his ground ball percentage is really good. I mean, it's, it's, the only so way kind of his game. Yeah. the only way it's even possible to have a three point three five ERA with all his with all all of his number all of his other numbers is a luck and b double plays, <laughs> because he you know his whip was I mean whip's an overrated stat, but uh, he had a one four whip. This season, like he, this is not someone who keeps guys off the base pass. He walks guys. He walks guys like crazy. Gives up a lot of hits. Like, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about this matchup. Even if it's I, even, even if it's Julio, like I really think that because I think the Braves are better than the Cardinals top to bottom anyway. Julio is certainly has some blow up potential. But if they go to Julio, it's not as if the Braves are some huge underdogs with Julio on the mound. No, and more importantly, I I will say that. I think that the leash on Hudson is going to be really short, and yes. I think that like they're like Mike, I think they'll put Michaelis on short rest just as much as the Braves put you know Keuchel on short rest too. So they, they should be in. They, I mean, obviously this goes without saying, but the Cardinals should be the urgent team. You know, if they hadn't already announced Hudson, I don't think we'd be assuming Hudson was pitching tomorrow. If that makes sense, like they announced him, no. so I think they might still do that. But would anybody be stunned if they didn't? Because I wouldn't be. No. 
don't know. No, ba- not based on how like Michael was like reasonably good against the Braves. So. Yeah, he pitched all right in game one. I mean, he's not scary either, in my opinion, frankly. But I think he's a better pitcher than Hudson. So, um, if you give me the choice, I'd rather face Hudson. I yeah, I would not be surprised if the, I mean, even last year when the Braves, I believe they had, um, didn't they start Sean Newcomb? If memory serves, they had somebody else as the uh, game four starter and then went to Newcomb. So um, I know it's not all situations are the same, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the next, uh, what do we have, 16 hours before the game, that the Cardinals make a change. Yeah, that would not surprise me in the slightest. Um, I'm looking up um, odds right now, but I guess we can get into maybe not predictions, but what, how are we feeling about tomorrow overall? Because, you know, ideally you would close it out. That's pretty simple. Um, but, you know, you're still on the road against a team that I think is not as good as you. I think the Braves are better. I think the Braves have been better the entire time. But you still have to win the game. And, you know, for today, you trail for eight innings. So it's not as if you've just been blowing this team out of the water. So how confident are you that the series will not be coming back to Atlanta? Because uh, I think we'd all be appreciative if it, if it didn't. Eric, go for it. Uh, I I don't think it's likely that it comes back to Atlanta. If there I'm we being go. Honest about it. Um, one, I picked the Braves to win three games to one, so that definitely lines up with my prediction, so I'm going <laughs> to stick with it. Uh, but two, I think that this type of game is we, – we see this with this team. It's not like a, a hot streak thing or, you know, like go with the hot hand thing. It's that when this team gets energized and, like, that energy – it happens in a game. It really does kind of carry over into like the future, into future games where like, it seems like they're more relaxed at the plate and they seem like they're having more fun and that they're like, you know, actually having real at bats and they're not like, so in their own heads. Whereas, you know, they had this really amazing thing happen, which I think, and I was talking to the guys before the podcast about this too, is like, since like the world series runs, of like the you know, mid to late nineties, like this is one of, if not the most memorable playoff games for the Braves, in that past, you know, close to 20 years now. And, you know, this is the type of team that really can feed off that sort of thing and really seems like it feels like they can, they're a type of team that smells blood in the water really well. And when you have that combined with pitching matchups that seem like they're going to be favorable, I, I don't think it's coming back to Atlanta. I don't. And, you know, they, it's not like something I'm like super certain about or anything like that. I, this isn't the Marlins the Braves are playing, but I, I like the Braves' chances tomorrow. Hey, yeah. Eric, w- would you say the Braves are relentless? <laughs> Hashtag relentless. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had I had to do that after what you said, uh, Scott. Thoughts? So I'm going to be the the Debbie Downer in the group, and people can throw their tomatoes at me. I think it's going to go five. I felt like it's going to go five. This series has been honestly pretty even, right? I mean, there's there hasn't been a blowout win for either team. Braves probably should have won Game One. Cardinals win. Braves for the most part controlled Game Two. It was never really in doubt. Um, but then today you can make an argument that, that the Cardinals were just as deserving of a win as, as the Braves were before their comeback. So I'll say the Cardinals win tomorrow and, and then the Braves uh, ultimately win on, on Wednesday in Game 5. Whew, that was your original prediction too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rising 5. Um, I mean, you know, all, all kidding aside, I think even Eric and I'm about to pick, pick the Braves too, no one's going to be surprised if Game 5 happens. <laughs> like, this is not going to be a huge... Uh, this is not an 80-20 no. situation where the Astros are playing the, are playing the Tigers tomorrow. Um, I'm picking the Braves. I uh, Maybe part of that is hopefulness because I just want that... I want it to be over and we can reset and kind of get things going for the NLCS and winning a, winning a playoff series for the first, first time in 18 years would be nice. Um, game 5's... Um, game 5 NLDS in Atlanta has not gone well 
in my lifetime. Just want to point that out. So uh, go ahead and uh, wrap it up on Monday. That'd be very nice, I think. That would be huge. I mean, truly, it's huge. Just put eight runs up in the first two innings. Like, <laughs> yeah, that nice, way you can, like, easy you can, win. You can, run, you can you, a nice, easy win where, like, the whole game's a party. Yeah. And, like, you get a bunch of extra rest. And then the Nationals-Dodgers series goes to five, and the Nationals end up winning it. Uh, I'm, I'm here for all of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's certainly the uh, optimistic prediction, I think. Um, that series is tied, and the Nationals are currently winning that game. They are. It's the sixth inning, and people are going to listen to this after it's already happened. But uh, they're in favorable position at that particular moment. I, I do think that we're all in agreement. You know, the Braves, f- for the first time since before Game One, are now favored in the series. We, we, I think we, I think everyone would have to agree on that. It doesn't mean it's over by any means, because you know you still have to win. But the Cardinals, I think, are the inferior team, and now they have to win two games in a row, and that means you're a pretty big favorite in the series. So. Yep. Somebody pointed out it's going to for sure jinx it and they'll go crazy tomorrow. But uh, the Cardinals have scored one run in the last two games. Yeah, they're not. Yep. Um, they're not. I mean, honestly, we said this before the series, but this is a lineup that does not scream at you like World Series. You know what I mean? Like no, it's not, not a all. it's not a lineup that. I mean, they have some. Obviously, Paul Goldschmidt's awesome in baseball. Mm-hmm. Ozuna's been good in the series, but they don't have stars other than that. Like this, this is not a loaded lineup, top to bottom. Granted, you could say the same thing about the Braves after the top four, but the Braves have the top four. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and the Cardinals don't. They, they they have really interesting baseball players. Like Edmonds, like kind of a fun story this year. They have pretty good Colton, players. It's Colton, not like they're bad. Yeah, Col- just... Col- yeah, Colton Wong's a pretty good player too. But they just like offensively, nothing that they've done has been scary. It's just been kind of they've performed better. Goldschmidt than the Braves. scares me. For, I gotta be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, he absolutely should scare you, but it's, just don't let him beat you. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Ozuna. He has the ability to beat you, but more often than not, he's going to beat himself by swinging at anything close to the strike zone. So he's, he's been good in the series, but uh, yep, yeah. Uh, okay, well, I think we've wrapped things up. Um, the plan is to record a podcast Monday evening. I have to say though, it will not be as prompt as the first three games, and this is my fault for the most part. Um, the other team, the, the other team that I cover, the Atlanta Hawks, has their first preseason game of the season, and I know it's preseason, but it's still a game I have to cover. It's at home. And Zion Williamson's in town, so I have to go to this game. So um, I will not be able to record the podcast till I get home, which means like 11, 11.30 Eastern, which means the podcast probably isn't going to be up until like 12.30 or 1. So it'll be a morning commute podcast um, on Monday evening into Tuesday morning. We will record, though, win or lose, if it's, you know, I hate I hate promising that, but that's my plan. We're we're gonna record win or lose. Um, hopefully, it's win, and then you won't then you won't have so much urgency to listen to the podcast because we'll have like three four days to prepare for the NLCS. If it's lose, then quick turnaround again. But uh, that's the plan. I'm not sure who's gonna be there with me. One of you or both of you will be there with me, and we'll figure that out later. But podcast is coming. I promise. Monday night. So stay tuned for all that. Um, anybody else have anything before we get out of here? No, I'm good. That was a hell of a game. It really was. Yes, I mean, it was. it was really feeling like, you know, same old Braves, so close, but just couldn't figure it out. And, and of course, they did figure it out in the ninth. And that was as fun of an inning in a playoff game as I can recall. Yeah, I was really dejected, like, especially towards the end that when Freddie didn't come through with the bases loaded. I, like, oh, we're, I think everyone was in a pretty dark place in terms of Braves fandom. Uh, and, you know, to have that happen in the ninth. You know, that's something I'm not going to forget for a long time. Well said, gentlemen. We uh, all had a little bit of fun down the stretch today, and hopefully more of that on Monday. 
please subscribe to this podcast. I really appreciate everybody that's already been doing that. We've uh, been seeing some good numbers, and I really appreciate that. Tell your friends. And, uh, yeah, like I said before, we'll be here win or lose Monday night and uh, hopefully win, and we'll celebrate on the podcast. We'll go ahead and do the next series, and if not, Game 5 preview, etc. So uh, stay tuned for that, and we'll see you guys in uh, 24 hours or so.